huge influence of conformity. Uh, you have to do the same thing as everyone else. You have to, you know, respect the tradition. And there's this uh, sort of fear for authority and not feeling safe, uh, voicing your own opinions. Welcome to the Slow Down Time podcast. I'm Van An, a second generation Vietnamese Australian, on my journey away from being the busy and stressed out primary school teacher into a slower, more present version of myself. This podcast is here to help you rediscover what it is you want and to begin letting go of cultural pressure to rush through life. Yes, you'll question your identity, your life decisions, and begin trusting yourself to fully live with intention. I'm so excited to be your host and to walk you through this journey. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I've got the lovely Mei Ling, and we met on Instagram, and we had a chat before, and we went on IG Live together. So now, this is the official podcast welcome. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Mei Ling, and I am a sole purpose life coach. Um, so my cultural background was that I was born in China, and I came to the United States when I was 16 years old. Yeah, I was from uh, Guangdong province, from a little seaside town uh, called Zhanjiang. And what was your life like in China before you came to America? A big theme in my life was feeling like I didn't belong. Um, yeah, I felt like I was I was always needing to hide uh, myself. And also it felt difficult to, to make friends uh, growing up. Um, but yeah, I remember in middle school, it was hard for me to um, find common topics to talk with with the female classmates, even though I wanted to be a part of them. Uh, but luckily, I found a best friend <laughs> from middle school, and that we're still talking now. And she's in she's in China, and I'm here, and we're we're still talking, and we've maintained that connection uh, for more than. Yeah, more than 10 years now. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, but yeah, I think there's this sense of feeling like like I was trapped. <laughs> I felt like there's this world that I knew about, which is what I grew up with, what I'm the surroundings that I was familiar with. But at the same time, there's this longing for something more. <laughs> yeah. So I felt I've been searching for that my my whole life. Yeah. Ever mm. since I was a little kid growing growing up in China. So what were some of the cultural pressures that you experienced living in China? One thing is uh huge influence of conformity. Uh you have to do the same thing as everyone else. You have to you know, respect the tradition and there's this uh, sort of fear for authority mm. and not feeling safe, uh, voicing your own opinions. It just felt like a very top-down 
like a author authoritative environment. That's what it felt like for me、uh, throughout the school environment. So, was there a lot of pressure for you to study really hard and get good grades, and then you can have lots of opportunities in the future? Yeah. <laughs> Ah,、uh, studying was a huge part, right? There's, I, I remember since I went through middle school, ah,、uh, there, there was just stacks of books that you have on the desk, um, and yeah, every day you had to go into school around seven, and then, ah, <laughs>、uh, go through the whole day, and then you have to come back to school for evening studies, ah,、uh, after you have dinner. <laughs> So you're only at home for very very brief amount of time, right? For、uh, so I think at noon there, like the morning class was finished, so you can、uh, come home briefly <laughs> at noon. So you eat lunch at at home, and then you take a little nap, and then you have to be back at school by two thirty in the afternoon.、And、then you spend the whole afternoon there, and <laughs> come home, eat dinner, and then you have to. Go to school again at night, <laughs> at around seven or seven thirty, and then that's when the evening study starts. And yeah, it's mandatory in 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 middle school.、Uh, basically, you have to prepare for exams and stuff uh, uh, every every single month. So we have to get back to school <laughs> in the evening time, and usually we come home around I don't know nine thirty or ten, and then basically you just take a shower and then. Have to finish whatever homework you didn't finish, and then do it all over again. <laughs> wow! So, how did you feel during time? It just felt like it's a lot of responsibility、uh, that I had to、uh, perform, right? Because we were asked to be like the requirements were that you have to be <laughs> excel at every single subject, right? Every single subject. So math, politics, geography, history, English, Chinese, <laughs> physics.、Uh, so all of the nine subjects, you have to get a good grade, as as good as possible.、Um, so if you have certain imbalance in certain subjects, then the teacher will ask you to, you know, to work on it. <laughs> so back then, I was really good at.、Uh, English, but I was terrible at math and <laughs> physics and chemistry, and so so the overall combined score was not as good. So yeah, I I suppose it's really confusing for a young teenager, right, to be studying, to have to study all the time and bury your head in in books. And I feel like now looking back, I wish I had spent more time. Enjoying my youth,、uh, versus just feeling like I was under pressure all the time to to study all the textbooks and have to perform well in testing in the yeah school system. And I think what you said was really important about how being in that environment where our parents are trusting us to study really hard and make a good life for ourselves, and then like you know even parents who came over. Over from another country to a Western country now,、mm-hmm. it's just you see the difference, and it's a drastic difference because we've been used to a certain way of schooling, right? Where it's not 
working until like 9.30, coming home at 9.30 p.m. But we are working, you know, from 9 to 3 basically and then you go home and you can do extracurricular activities, you learn to play instruments and you do all these other things and you kind of have more fun in a way. So how was that like when you came to the US? Yeah, it was once again very confusing. Uh, but I think one thing I would like to add to the question you asked before about my life in China, there were two highlights, right? One was my middle school best friend and another highlight was a teacher and mentor I had uh, when I was in elementary towards the end of my elementary school and throughout middle school when I was in China. So she is supposedly an English tutor outside of school. Uh, and my mom heard about it, about her um, classes <laughs> from some other parents. And she was like, oh, you should go to her to study English. So I was like, okay, fine, <laughs> I'll go. But totally surprising. She is... She reminds me of that movie, you know, uh, the Dead Poets Society. Uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, so her, yeah, you, you, if you have time later, at whatever time, that will be a good movie to watch. Um, but basically, so I went there for tutoring on English, but what she had taught us and what she had embodied was something that. I've always longed for, but I didn't know where to look for. But I found, I would say I found a home in her classroom. And so are all of her students. She was really caring about each one of us. She cared about our well-being. She cared about our dreams and aspirations. So even though we were studying English, she shared us all these um, content from you know from the u.s from like just international like video clips that she can take from to put it in the, on the projector screen to to tell us that there's a whole other world out there <laughs> outside of this little city that we're in and she told us that you know even though your parents might tell you certain things but she just wanted us to know that basically there are so much possibilities out there and just Overall, she is, she's a very fun teacher. Uh, she treated us like her peers and she's very down to earth. So that for me was, that has such a huge impact in me <laughs> because I've never had a teacher that that's, you know, so heart to heart uh, to her students. And she actually treat her students as humans, not just, not just a statistic on, on a paper. Yeah, so I really felt seen uh, in her class. So after having such a great teacher, <laughs> so all of a sudden coming to the new country, it was even more confusing for me uh, because I found that mm, I didn't have anybody to talk to about everything that I was going through. Um, so yeah, I came here by myself. My older sister was in the same state, but I couldn't live with her because she was already married and she had her own family. So she found me a housing uh, somewhere with a with a Chinese family that I've never met. So I just rented a room inside their townhouse. And but yeah, every day I come back home, I just, I mean, come back to their home. <laughs> I just, I would just lock myself in the bedroom and... Just basically trying to process everything and then 
going to school also it was it felt intimidating to make friends um it felt like i was craving for connection but at the same time mm, i wasn't sure how to establish it and maintain those connections so i think to this day i was i'm still very grateful for the kind classmates that i had at the time who was really wonderful to me but at the time um i was intimidated by by everything and i didn't know why they would you know want to be friends with me so but yeah i'm 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 grateful for them but back then i didn't know how to basically maintain that connection so we've lost touch uh uh for a long time but yeah but it was it was confusing and and overwhelming and i didn't and even though they're school counselor in in our high school but i didn't trust them <laughs> mm-hmm. enough to you know go in there and share all my secrets with them even though that's what i needed at the time yeah it was definitely very lonely i can imagine like having family overseas across the world and then having a sister in the same state so how was your english at this point when you came over were you proficient to communicate with like classmates and you know get yourself around yeah i think i can brag a little bit my english was better than i thought <laughs> thanks to my uh mentor and my english tutor uh back in china um so i came here when i was first year in high school so back then i still had to attend esl classes but through doing the assessment they actually uh placed me in uh second year of high school instead of the freshman year <laughs> so they test my english level to see whether i whether they should put me in freshman or sophomore so they ended up putting me in sophomore cuz my english was yeah good enough <laughs> uh back then uh so i think but there's still that that there's still that adjustment period right so even though i i was okay <laughs> i was not totally you know at lost at what everyone was saying there was still that adjustment period um of blending in into that whole school environment with students from all over the place right from i suppose all different ethnicity but back in china it was only chinese student and the only foreigner i saw was a uh, foreign foreign exchange teacher in in china so entering into <laughs> a school with you know students who speak spanish the students who are you know maybe from different parts of the world all of that was you know what also very new <laughs> was that a bit of a culture shock mm, yeah i think everyone uh to a certain degree have experience that what kind of things were easy for you when you moved to a new country yeah like what kind of things did you find easier than you expected <laughs> probably never thought about that before <laughs> um I think nothing felt easy. <laughs> yeah. I had to make sense of try to make sense of everything and um 
So yeah, I think mo- most most things never f- felt easy at, at that time. Um, but some helpful outlets uh, were for me at that time were music and Korean dramas. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I had my escape whenever I come home and I listen to certain musics and the lyrics just spoke to me and also finding yeah Korean dramas to watch and fe- feeling like mm, it was it felt very therapeutic because I felt like all of the all of the things that I was afraid to do or have a hard time adjusting to I can experience uh different lives inside the characters in shows and movies and yeah also learning to read in uh, I guess English books <laughs> yeah have also helped I can imagine like you need something to help you during that time and these are probably things that like for second gen women like my parents had to overcome but they came here when they were older and they already had a family they had to make sure they were working you know so they didn't have the support that you did coming in as a student because you have like access to services at school or you have people who are around to help you right whereas coming as like a an older person my parents came when they were about 30 that they had to have friends support them or they had to reach out to like services in Australia. So yeah, I'm glad that you had your outlets and you had a space to live and, you know, you you were comfortable, but then you might've felt otherwise, you know, like physically you were comfortable. What was your experience like as a daughter living overseas, like living apart from your parents and a sister who's not living with your own sister? What was that like? Because being separated, did that put extra pressure on you at all? Or was that easier in a way? Now looking back at such a young age, uh, back then I was 16 years old. I would say it's definitely not easy. Um, yeah, back then I still had a lot of uh, dependency on you know, them providing for me. Uh, because I grew up with my mom when I was in China. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm, I'm living on my own now. And my my sister tried to help me out here and there by taking me out for gro- grocery trips and stuff like that to make sure that I have food to eat and my basic needs are taken care of. So that was good. But yeah, it, it felt difficult for a minor to be... <laughs> living without um, a direct family. Did you keep in contact with your mom? We did in the beginning, but I think over time it had become less and less because I felt like a lot of times, even even if I did spoke to her about what I was going through, she didn't ne- she couldn't necessarily relate to me. And she's also very prone to worrying but there's nothing that she could actually do for me right to alleviate what I was going through so growing up because of her own lived experience and her own unprocessed trauma she's never learned to provide a safe emotional space for me since a kid so I think yeah I've gotten used to that to just kept everything uh 
inside of me and not tell her. Like over time, I've learned to just you know tell her the like the basic, I like the surface level things instead of painting the picture of all the details of everything that's happening and everything that I was thinking of. That's a really important point that you raised, and that's something that a lot of first and second generation women experience because. Like my parents, having lived through the Vietnam War and then becoming refugees and then immigrants, they've gone through a lot as well. And also they haven't processed all that themselves. And then it it becomes trauma for them that's passed on to us, right? So then that suppressing of emotions is so normal for a lot of us. As you get older, you want to communicate better and you want Mm -hmm. to express things to other people and, you know, especially when you're building and maintaining relationships, like that's so important, right. right? But it's so hard for a lot of us, me included, to express what I'm thinking all the time. Because even what you're saying about your mum, like being prone to worrying about you and making sure you're safe and like you're comfortable. Even when I live with my mum, mm-hmm. it's still the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> to us, the world is quite safe because we've experienced a lot of safety in our lives but for our parents like especially parents who've like lived through war and having to flee their country a lot of things come to the surface for them and so for us like going out at night make sure you don't stay out too late don't walk by yourself in the dark don't walk in the streets alone um yeah all of that kind of comes to mind when you're talking about like parents worrying and then us not being able to share things with them because they worry mm. too much. <laughs> of course, it's out of out of their love for us, but our experience is so different. So we see the world so differently to them. And I'm curious to know if that's the case for you because, I mean, you are the one who, who migrated, so it's a bit different. That's a good point that, you know, our family had those similarities. And, yeah, my mom also, she, she, she didn't went through – Vietnam War, but she went through the period of cultural revolution in China, where uh, at a certain point, it was really hard to find food. And growing up, she was the oldest children of six or seven (laughs) in her family. And she was the one to be in charge to take care of her younger siblings ever since she was 10 or, or even younger. When she was a very young age, she's had to learn how to cook for the whole family and tend to the crops and do all of the house chores and, and things like that. And yeah, so there's a lot that she went through that I probably don't know how she ever got gotten through that. And, you know, I can visibly see some of that stuff through, you know, movies and documentaries and stuff to get a glimpse of what it's like to live back in those days um but yeah also a lot of her focuses was on yeah survival and sacrificing herself right for the people around her to take care of everyone else around her but she spent very little time thinking about her and what she wanted and so yeah (laughs) it's a lot different back then (laughs) That resonates so strongly with me because, yeah, our parents do that a lot, especially in our culture where our mums do everything. 
they take care of the kids, they do their housework, they cook. Being a motherly figure is something that they've instilled in us, being the caretaker for everybody else. Right. That's one of the pressures that we all experience, right? The fact that we are always so concerned about everybody else around us that we forget about ourselves. That also comes up when we're trying to relax, right? <laughs> rest until everything is done. We've only seen those kinds of giving. We don't we don't accept and we don't receive for ourselves. And that's like our mum's cooking and cleaning and doing everything for everyone else and making sure that, okay, my kids are fed, my kids are safe, they have a good life in the future. They've forgotten about everything in the past and all their experiences. They're only looking at the future now, but not for themselves. All their sacrifices all for us. And like now we have so many more opportunities. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I feel like I've lived most of my life, right? Being unaware of how much, you know, that cultural influence and that family influence have had on myself. And I felt like most of my life I've lived my life, un, you know, leaving those aspects unchecked because we just model after after our family's behavior growing up. And it's almost like it just, it just comes automatic, right? But through the last five years or so of gradually unraveling uh, layers and layers of different things and yeah, different conditioning and memories and to really uh, examining my own behavior and seeing where I can trace that from. It's just, yeah, it's it's been really eye-opening to see that it's definitely has so much impact in every single aspect of our lives. I really love the word that you used, unraveling. It's kind of we're covered up with all these things from society, from our culture, all these expectations and pressures that we feel. And now you're slowly unraveling that. Like you can keep the things that you that you like from each culture, but then now it's kind of finding yourself between two cultures or more even. So I'm curious to know what kind of lessons have you learned now being on that journey of unraveling? Well, first, I would have to say that it is a lifelong journey, right? <laughs> one thing that one thing that really frustrates me was, you know, when we see some of these success stories or entrepreneurs, rags to riches story, um, I feel like in a way, all of us aspire to that. It's like, oh, look at what this person had to overcome to be where they are today. Oh, I should do that too. But I feel like that could bring so much shame onto ourselves when we're not honoring our journey um, and honoring, you know, our whole journey as a full human being, right? I feel like I myself included. <laughs> I've definitely uh, used other people's story as a measuring stick as to, yeah. oh, I should be here already. Why am I still da 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 da? But it really is a lifelong <laughs> journey. It's not just oh, a hero story starts here and then there's the climax and then you and then you it's, and then it's like a straight line. It's, it's not. <laughs> Sometimes you go 
one step up and sometimes you could take three steps back. For me, there's, um, yeah, exactly. But even I heard of this metaphor from my friend the other day. He was saying that it's like a slingshot, like a catapult, <laughs> which I really love. He's saying that growth is like that. Sometimes you have to pull it back in order to to shoot uh, for further, right? So I love his metaphor. Um, and in a way, I feel like it's something that I'm currently going through uh, these past two months. I just felt this deep unspoken grief and sadness within me, <laughs> which was very hard to understand in the beginning because I was like, I'm starting my business and I'm posting on social media. Everything is fine. Why am I sad? <laughs> but after sitting with myself, um, these these past two months, I've I kind of have a sense of where that's coming from, right? Because I thought I've already healed from a lot of my own past experience. There's there's always that deeper level, right? Whenever we've up level in perhaps our personal lives or uh, our pro professional lives, uh, as we continue to up-level, there's, there's something underneath ourselves that needs deeper healing as, as we go. And I'm feeling that these, these two months was that as I continue to show up on social media and continue to doing these quote-unquote public things, right, showing up... <laughs> on different platforms in a way I can feel that it did trigger there's like a deeper part of me that felt deeply insecure and deeply unsafe about standing out and speaking up and sharing my voice because that was not the way I lived <laughs> for more than 20 years so all of a sudden you know I am doing my own work and I'm sharing my experience of course, it felt scary to, to share this if, you know, let's say one example, if in school you're used to being shamed, if you don't know the answer, like the teacher asks you, oh, so, so, and so you asked this, you answer this question and then you're like, oh, I wasn't listening. <laughs> I was distracted talking to my friends and then the whole class laughed at you and you felt embarrassed. And then, or sometimes if you do a presentation and if you felt like you didn't prepare well and then you felt like you've failed the presentation, you got a low score or whatever. All of that, you know, we up, absorb all of that physically and also spiritually as well. <laughs> and so in a way, I feel like I do understand why, you know, I myself included. So many people wanted to start online business and start their their own personal brand. But what that requires is that you stand by <laughs> your perspectives and you're brave enough to share and you and you choose to believe that what you had to share and what you had to say is worthy of being heard by others yeah. right but for so many of us that's such a brand new concept if we're not you know if we didn't grow up with it <laughs> I love that you mentioned that because of course anyone doing anything new there's always so much to learn and there's all these mini tests along the way asking you, okay, do you want it that badly? Do you actually want this? And if you don't want it, you just like revert back. You're like, nah, nah, I'll, I'll go back to my old job or I'll go back to what I was doing before and not try this new thing out, right? So all these 
tests are kind of changing us along the way. It's like, is this really important to me that I want to get through it and overcome it? And I love the slingshot um, analogy as well. That's kind of what you were saying, right? Because when you pull a slingshot, you got to like really pull it tight. And it's kind of like that extra force that's like required for you to overcome those challenges. Right. As you step up for anything new, every time you reach a new level, it's like, (laughs) it's like testing you along the way. And then when you max out on the slingshot, right, you let go and you're propelled forward. So all of that kind of comes together. I love that analogy because it shows that there is a bit of discomfort that comes with anything new, but whether we're brave enough to go for it is the challenge, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago, I think I asked, um, what are you wishing for or something to be more outspoken, to be more whatever, but one of it was to be braver. That was the highest one. So a lot of people do want that courage to go after what they want, but they're kind of hiding right now. They're like, oh, I don't need that. Or people will think I'm selfish if I want to do that. Or they'll think I'm weird for wanting to try something new. It's like all these thoughts of other people's perceptions of us and linking into what you said about how when you were when you were younger, the expectation was to conform. And then now standing out, it's like, whoa, why am I standing out? Um, I've been taught to be just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like America, being in Australia, everyone's unique, right? We've been yeah. taught special. We've got something. We've got a gift to share with the world. And now is our chance to do it. But we've got to overcome that insecurity. We've got to overcome a lot of our own challenges. And everyone's situation is so different. Some people can just you know, they have those success stories that we're measuring against. A lot of people don't have those stories. So we're just all hoping for one day. <laughs> to get yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think a couple of things I had to say about that, right? About a lot of people wanted to be braver and overcome their insecurity. I feel like one thing probably many people didn't have is a safe support system uh and right now looking back that's the case for me uh like growing up i've never had a truly safe (laughs) and safe support system to be there for me to allow me to express myself and to be exactly uh who i am growing up and so of course you know going through out of the years that we've been through in the past, it felt difficult because we've we've tried to do the best we can, right? To make the best decision we can over the years. But um, of course that comes with, with our own bias too, as how we identify, how we've been identifying ourselves since uh, since we were young <laughs> because for the longest time I thought of myself as oh I'm a shy person because my teacher at school has told me that <laughs> like oh she's really observant and she's quiet she doesn't she's not outspoken so I took all of those people's observation of me who maybe don't really know me on a deeper level 
嗯 ，I took all of those yeah opinions as my own. I was like, oh, some so so and so said that it must be true because you know they're the teacher or they're this friend or they're this family's <laughs> relative, right? Hmm. So yeah, definitely support system is is huge. So right now for Uh, I don't know. Who, I don't know who said that answer to you, but for someone who wants to do some brave things or scary things that you've never done before, make sure that you you have at least one person to to listen to you as you go on this route because it's it takes. I would say it takes a much longer time to go that to go on this path alone、uh, versus. Even if you just have one person there to share your struggles and your concerns and what you're going through with, and to get that outside perspective,、um, but yeah, another thing about yeah being brave is that it's it's truly an identity work.、Um, I think I maybe maybe it's from James Clear's Atomic Habit. He said like when you change. <laughs> When you're trying to、uh, cultivate a new habit, you have to think of it from the identity level. That you know, if you don't like to run, instead of saying, "Oh, I'm not a person who runs," try telling yourself, "I am. I am a person who runs every day." And I feel like subconsciously, it allows you to face the challenges in a different way. And so, yeah, for me, even though I know. Like social media was not something that I've always been doing, <laughs> right? So for the longest time, I told myself, "Oh, I'm I'm too scared to show. I'm like, who am I to say anything?" Instead, you know, I try to tell myself now more.、Uh, I am willing to to show up in even just a, the tiniest way possible, right? If I can show up on camera and on video, I'll show up on video. But even if I can't show up on video, I can write.、Um, so, whichever way it is, just allow yourself to express, right? Perhaps it can be even an audio recording of what you're feeling that day, and start document yourself and your journey because. One day you're gonna look back on <laughs>、uh, how you've gotten through certain period of time, and I feel like if you can document your journey, that would be a very valuable thing to do. And yeah, another thing is <laughs> definitely、um, continue to deepen the unconditional love you have for yourself instead of attaching our worth into. The likes and comments and engagement and all of that. Try to detach yourself from that, and continue to love yourself deeper every single day. Right? Even you, even if you think logically you're not doing such a good job, like、oh, what are you doing? You're lazy. Da da da. Like try to catch yourself <laughs> when you're saying those things to yourself and seeing. Oh, I see you haven't been putting into that much work work today, but. What is actually going on? Like, why are you feeling resistant、uh, to do certain activities? And I feel like that process of self inquiry is where you find the true answers. Because a lot of the times, you know, like strategy and stuff like that, 
do matter, but I feel like a lot of the times is the internal relationship we have about with ourselves, <laughs> with our past. I think the the relationship we have with ourselves is the the one that's at the core, right? You can apply all kinds of social media strategy or whatever <laughs> business strategy if you don't continue to get to know yourself. Uh, eventually the strategy will, will fall apart. <laughs> and you mentioned about identity being so important, right? And yeah, as you said, anything that you do to try to help with that, like a Band-Aid fix, is not going to fix your identity of you believing that you don't deserve that new job or that you don't have people around to support you. If you keep believing those things, then it's not going to help you because then you won't go searching for that. So yeah, identity and success, like those two things that you mentioned are things that I have in my program because it's so important. Like knowing who you are and being clear on who you define yourself as, not how other people define you, because I myself has have also taken on the ideas and opinions from other people and thought that as the truth, when in reality, it's because I haven't shown that side of me to them. That's just their narrow view of me. Right. They don't see me 24 hours a day. How would they know, right? That goes for anyone who wants to be brave. It's like just because you feel like you can't get that new job that you shouldn't apply for it anyway because who knows? You might be the pers- exact person they're looking for. Goes for any any um, obstacle that you're overcoming. Maybe you're the, exactly the person to do that. So identity and measuring yourself against society standards, which is, yeah, the likes on Instagram, the number of text messages you get, which I don't know, texts are so common now. People hear, like, I used to hear people's like dings on their phones all the time and thought, whoa, they must be so popular. <laughs> Here's my phone. No one's called me in like five days <laughs> except my mom. Or uh, your phone bell notification. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's so natural to compare yourself to other people and use them as a measuring stick and saying, oh, I must not be as good as them or I don't, I shouldn't do this because that person's way better at it than me. It all comes back to your identity and how you see yourself. I might be quiet to some people, but then I can also choose not to be quiet at other times and not to be shy and, you know, want to express everything I'm thinking right now. So Mm -hmm. it just depends on who you're with. Yeah, identity and success, it's like things that come together because then when you know who you are, then you know how you want to be successful for yourself because some people might want a mansion, but some people might just want like a small house that's cozy and comfortable. So it just depends on what your vision of success is. And that's why I go through that in my program because if you're aiming for the mansion when you don't want that, you're just going to be disappointed because when you get there, you're not going to be happy anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's why like being brave and overcoming some of these pressures that we experience every single day is so important for first and second generation women and for people who (laughs) grow up in Western countries as well. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel as we go on our life, it is even more important to cultivate that 
sense of curiosity and that sense of safety within ourselves. Uh, for safety, I mean, when we're doing something scary or taking on new challenges that we've never done <laughs> before, it's so important that we get our own back at the end of the day, right? No matter, no matter the outcome, whether you're applying for jobs or mm, reaching out to someone, but can can you still, you know, allow yourself to love yourself at the end of the day, no matter what what's what's happened in your day, right? And continue to be curious as to who you've become today, because <laughs> I'm sure for a lot of people who've you know, who have started on doing the inner work or who have been on this path for a while. We know that every day we're changing, every day <laughs> every day we're learning new things. So even though we tend to have our eyes on the goals uh, for most of the time, it's also so important to continue pr- to continue to bring all parts of you along because if there's any misalignment, in any parts of yourself, it's really important to to just even just have a long time to ask yourself those deeper layer of questions of, oh, why am I feeling scared? Why am I feeling anxious? Um, versus, you know, the default, I guess. The default for me was the blaming and the guilt, right? Oh, you should do better. Oh, you should know better. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, the default that we were modeling <laughs> for the longest time was that, like scolding, like, oh, look look at what you're doing today. You're not doing anything. <laughs> um, but instead, can we be even more gentle with ourselves along the way and also being honest at how we're actually feeling? <laughs> um, yeah. I think that's that's really important because there's no, it's really a lifelong marathon. It's not a race, right? Because even if we do get the success and the money we wanted, I was like, yay, for a second, right? Then the next day you wake up like, oh, wait, now what? Because <laughs> yeah. that might not be really important to you. So I love that motivation and inspiration you just gave. How will you continue to live with intention and connection? That's a that's a good question. <laughs> I think one thing I would say though is if things are tough or if you're going through a challenging time and you feel lost <laughs> or you feel like wow, my life is such a mess and look at what other people are doing. I feel like all of us can all of us are in those low moments every now and then or for uh, <laughs> yeah uh, for some part during some parts of our lives I feel like when we're in those dark moments it's really important to um, sort of play in, like a movie reel in your head to see from the day you were born to the current day how much you've already uh, overcame like how much difficult moment that in the past that you thought, Oh no, this is the death of me. I can't do this. But eventually you made it through and you're still standing here today and to, yeah. And to never forgot those moments and to continue to search for that 
resourcefulness in you um, and remind yourself of what you already know, what you already have within you. Because I feel like um, when we're going through those low moments, it's so easy uh, to be to be rough on ourselves um, and to say that I don't have anything to offer the world. I don't know what I'm doing, but try to search for that deeper part of yourself that that do know. Because <laughs> um, I feel like the answers are already within us, but a lot of times we didn't want it to acknowledge it because of various reasons. Yeah, I love that. So being more intentional by continuing to search for answers, follow your curiosity, as you've said before. And where can our listeners find you, Mei-Ling? You can find me on Instagram at divinely.guided.creative. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and having this really insightful conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's um, it's truly an honor, and I hope that you know. And I and I do know that your podcast is really making people feel less alone on their journey um, of growth. And so, yeah, on behalf of your listeners, I thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. If you resonated with this topic and want to explore it deeper with me as your life coach, guiding and cheering you on, then apply for Living With Intention. It's a fully personalized program to help you unlearn your survival beliefs, rediscover your identity and redefine your version of a successful life. I've linked it in the show notes and I can't wait for you to start living with intention.